A Focus Summary of Chapters 54-56 through 56 of Pride and Prejudice After the men depart, both Elizabeth and Jane engage in denial of their own feelings. Elizabeth, vexed at Darcy's inscrutable behavior, vainly resolves that she will think of him no more. And Jane insists that in future, she and Bingley will meet as indifferent acquaintances. On Tuesday, the two men come again. When they enter the dining room, Elizabeth watches to see whether Bingley takes his former place by her sister. He seems at first to hesitate, but a smile from Jane decides him, and he places himself beside her. Both Elizabeth and Bingley look to Darcy, who appears to bear the choice with noble indifference. Bingley's behavior toward Jane during dinner reassures Elizabeth of his regard, and she believes that left to himself, his happiness and Jane's would be speedily secured. Darcy, on the other hand, is seated as far from Elizabeth as he could be, and next to her mother. Their cold and formal manner on the seldom occasions that they speak mortifies Elizabeth, particularly in light of what she knows they owe him. Elizabeth finds the time spent in the drawing room before the gentlemen enter dull to a painful degree, and she resolves that if Darcy does not come to her when they do enter, she will give him up forever. Just when it seems he might, one of the girls comes between them, and he walks away. Afterward, she is envious of everyone to whom he speaks, and scornful of herself for being silly enough to believe he might make a second proposal. When at one point he comes close, she seizes the opportunity to speak to him. But after a cursory conversation, she can think of nothing more to say, and he walks away again. When she then finds them confined for the evening at different card tables, she gives up every expectation of pleasure. And though Mrs. Bennet has designs to invite the two men to supper, their carriage is called before she can. Mrs. Bennet is in great spirits after seeing Bingley's behavior to Jane, and hearing her friend pronounce that they will have her in Netherfield in no time. She is in such a happy humor that she is disappointed not to see him return to make his proposals the very next day. Jane calls the evening very agreeable, and claims again to have no wish beyond the enjoyment of Bingley's conversation. Elizabeth smiles, knowing she is not to be believed. A few days later, Bingley calls again, alone, and sits with the family for above an hour. Discovering he is already engaged that evening, Mrs. Bennet invites him to dine with them the next day. When he comes, Mrs. Bennet tries from the first to get him alone with Jane, but Jane refuses to go down without one of her sisters. Mrs. Bennet makes another frantic effort in the evening, trying first to signal Kitty's exit by winking, and then resorting to simply calling her and Elizabeth out of the room, insisting she needs to speak to them. But her schemes are ineffectual. Bingley is perfectly charming and cheerful, but he does not profess his love. After this day, Jane makes no more claims to indifference, and Elizabeth is confident that all will be speedily concluded. The next day, Bingley spends the morning shooting with Mr. Bennet, who finds his companion much more agreeable than he expected. That evening, Mrs. Bennet endeavors again to get everybody away from Bingley and her daughter. When Elizabeth returns to the drawing room after going off to write a letter, she discovers that her mother has succeeded in every way. She finds the two standing together in earnest conversation. 
And after Bingley whispers a word to Jane and runs out of the room, Jane confesses the happy news, and Elizabeth offers her sincere congratulations. Jane then hastens to tell her mother, saying Bingley has already gone to Mr. Bennet. After his short, to-the-purpose conference with Mr. Bennet, Bingley encounters Elizabeth, and the two shake hands with great cordiality, while he gushes about Jane's perfections and the prospect of their happiness. It is an evening of no common delight for every member of the family. After Bingley leaves, Mr. Bennet congratulates Jane, teasing that with their generous tempers they are so well suited to each other that they are sure to exceed their income. Jane is offended at the suggestion that she would be so imprudent, and Mrs. Bennet is incredulous at the idea that they could overspend 5000 a year. Bingley becomes a daily visitor to Longbourn, and Elizabeth finds herself useful to him and Jane only on the rare occasions that they are not in each other's company. On one such occasion, Jane shares her discovery that Bingley had been ignorant of her being in town the prior spring. When Jane suggests it was his sister's doing, but expresses trust that they will learn to be contented and she will be on good terms with them again, Elizabeth declares this the most unforgiving speech she has ever made. Elizabeth is relieved that Bingley had not betrayed the interference of his friend, because she fears that even with Jane's forgiving heart, this might prejudice her against him. When Jane cries out how she wishes Elizabeth could be as happy as she, Elizabeth declares it impossible, but says perhaps someday she will meet another Mr. Collins. The situation with Bingley does not long remain a secret. Mrs. Bennet whispers it to Mrs. Phillips, Mrs. Phillips tells it to all her neighbors, and the Bennets are speedily pronounced the luckiest family in Meryton, despite having been declared marked for misfortune not long before. One morning, a week after Bingley and Jane's engagement, a chaise and four is seen driving up the lawn. All are astonished when the door is thrown open and in walks Lady Catherine de Bourgh with an air more than usually ungracious. Elizabeth mentions her name to her mother, and Mrs. Bennet is flattered at having a guest of such high importance. After some abrupt queries about the identity of the people present, and comments about the smallness of the park and inconvenience of the sitting room, Lady Catherine tells Elizabeth she would like to take a turn with her outside. Elizabeth obeys, and she and Lady Catherine set out along the gravel walk. Lady Catherine insists that Elizabeth knows exactly why she has come, but Elizabeth denies being able to account for the honor. In an angry tone, she tells Elizabeth an alarming report had reached her that Elizabeth was to be united with Mr. Darcy, and while she knew it to be a scandalous falsehood, she set off immediately to make her sentiments about it known. In the course of their conversation, she accuses Elizabeth of circulating the rumor, demands to know if there is a foundation for it, suggests she has seduced him into a momentary infatuation, and declares that he is actually engaged to her daughter. She tells Elizabeth that Darcy and her daughter have been intended for each other since infancy, and that she will not allow it to be prevented by a young woman of inferior birth. She threatens that if she were to accept a proposal from him, their alliance would be a disgrace, and she would be despised by everyone connected with him. 
the strength and dignity with which Elizabeth withstands Lady Catherine's bullying and abuse is reflected in all the details of her responses. She refuses to take orders, speaks her own mind, and gives as good as, or rather better than, she gets. Most important, when commanded by Lady Catherine to promise that she will never enter into an engagement with her nephew, Elizabeth refuses ever to make any promise of the kind. Lady Catherine then resorts to insulting Elizabeth by making reference to Lydia's scandalous elopement, and Elizabeth, having reached her limit, takes her leave. Lady Catherine, highly incensed, accuses her of being determined to make Darcy the contempt of the world, and Elizabeth replies proudly that if the indignation of the world were excited by his marrying her, it would not give her one moment's concern. Lady Catherine continues to berate and insult her until she reaches the carriage, and then, with none of the usual formalities of parting, she leaves. Elizabeth is met at the door by her mother, who is eager to know why Lady Catherine had called on them, but Elizabeth, unwilling to acknowledge the substance of their conversation, is forced to give in to a little falsehood. 